Very good morning to each and every one of you. If you can turn in our Bibles, please, to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to ask uh, Dean to read the first portion from verse 2, please. First Kings chapter 19, beginning at verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he slept, lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked. And there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing, Elijah? I'd like to begin by looking at verse 4, please. And in verse 4, uh, right at the beginning there, we see that it says that he went a day's journey, a day's journey into the wilderness. Now, uh, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 44, we have the example uh, of Mary and Joseph and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Mary and Joseph went a day's journey uh, it tells us there in Luke 2.42, every step that they took, took them further away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And just like that, Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he was moving further and further away from God's 
Well, eventually, he sat down under a juniper tree. Abraham, he was seated under an oak tree when God communed with him. Deborah, she was sitting under a palm tree while she ruled the nation. Nathaniel, he was sitting under a fig tree when he was anticipating the Messiah's reign. And then Saul, he was sitting under a pomegranate tree when he was indifferent to the plight of the nation. And here we have Elijah, who is seated under a juniper tree, afraid and discouraged. You see, there he was sitting down, and do you know what the next step comes after you're sitting down? Lying down. Look at verse 5. And he lay down and slept under the juniper tree. This is what happens to us in life. I would like us to take a look at another verse that illustrates this better in Psalm 1 and verse 1. I'm sure you all know uh, what the man in Psalm 1 verse 1 was doing. And you will see that first he was walking. Then you will see that he was standing. And then you will see that he was sitting. Walking gave way to standing, gave way to sitting. That is how it is when we move away from God, when we disregard the word of God, that is what happens in our life. We are walking with God. We are talking with God. Then we stop. We are standing. And the next moment... We are sitting down. Elijah went a step even further. We just saw that he was lying down. Lying down. Let that not be uh, the situation in our life. I would like to give you another example. Peter uh, was a very good example. And we can see this in John chapter 18 and verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, and they said unto him, Art art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Now you see, we know this incident very well, I'm sure, and it says there that Simon Peter stood and warmed himself at the world's fire. He was mixing with all the worldly people there. Uh, He was far removed from God. At that point. And then look with me, please, at Luke chapter 22 and verse 55. Then you will see what happened to Simon Peter. First he was standing at the world's fire and warming himself. And then he sat down among them. He sat down among them. He became accustomed to them. And he sat down with the world. Let us also make sure that... We stay close to God, that we are walking and talking with him, that we are moving, and that we don't come to a stop in our Christian life. Scripture tells us that the people of Galilee, they walked in darkness, and then later they sat in darkness. 
You see, here's the lesson, my friend. It is so easy to settle complacency, complacently into circumstances which are far from God's will for us. It is so easy for us to settle down into a situation where we are far away from God's will. Let that not be uh, so in our life. Then I want you to notice the next lesson also is found in verse 4. We're back in 1 Kings 19 and in verse 4. So he went a day's journey and then at the end uh, it says he requested for himself that he might die. He requested for himself that he might die. Now Moses, he did the same thing. Jonah, he did the same thing. And their prayers were never answered, just like Elijah's. Now, did he really mean what he was saying? I don't think so. Because if he really wanted to die, he didn't need to run away. He could have just waited where he was, and then Jezebel would have caught up with him and probably killed him. So he was saying something that he really did not mean. He was saying, am I better than my fathers? Of course, he was better than his fathers. He was vastly superior to his ancestors who were reluctant to enter the land. And was he really alone in his loyalty to the Lord? No. There were 7,000 others who had not bowed down to Baal. So, here's the simple lesson. When in the grip of discouragement, we tend to express sentiments that we do not really believe in our hearts. When feeling low, try to avoid uh, the language that does not reflect our true way of thinking. Stay away from saying sentences like this. Then I want to move on to the next thought that I wish to bring to your attention, and it is found in verse 5. 1 Kings 19 and verse 5. And he lay down and slept under the juniper tree, and behold, then an angel touched him. Touched him. I want you to focus on those words. You see, when Peter, uh, we can see this in Acts chapter 12 uh, and verse 7, when he was facing the threat of death, I noticed that Peter, he was sleeping soundly. Because uh, a supernatural light failed to awaken him, and then the angel of the Lord had to smite him to wake him up. And he smote Peter on the side. But you notice that to wake up Elijah, all the angel had to do was touch him. You know what this means? This is the difference between a man who is content in the will of God and a man who is not in the will of God. Peter was facing a death threat to his life, but he was content. He knew he was in the center of God's will, so he was able to sleep soundly. Elijah was running away from God. He knew he wasn't in the will of God. So did he sleep well? No. No. Just a touch woke him up. If you are sleeping well at night, (laughs) it could be that you are in the center of God's will. 
But when something is troubling you, you're far from him. You may not be sleeping so well. And then I want you to notice next, the next lesson also is found in this verse. And there we notice that the angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Now, uh, there is a lesson here for us in how God feeds his people. God knows how each one of his children are and how each one of his children should be tackled. For example, when uh, the disciples went fishing in John 21 and they came out, the Lord Jesus himself, I noticed, he prepared the meal, the fish, he cooked it and he fed them. Then on another occasion, when he wanted to feed um, some others, he used ravens. And then I noticed that on another occasion when he wanted to feed his people, he used a widow. And then yet other people he treats in a different way. For example, he treated Peter like this in Acts chapter 10 and verse 13. Uh, he gave Peter instructions on how to feed himself. Peter, he said, go and kill and eat. That means I'm not going to give you, you go and kill the animal and you get the food and feed yourself. But for Elijah, God sent his angel to feed him. No giving him an instruction saying, you go and hunt for yourself and eat. You notice that? He didn't use ravens. He didn't use a widow. He didn't give him an instruction to go and hunt for himself. No. He used an angel. Why is that? You see, God knows the type of care that each and every one of us need. Each one is uh, touched in a different way. For example, even your church leaders would know you well. Some of you, they may know, need a visit when there is something to discuss. Others, maybe a phone call. But they would have the pulse of the people. They would know what each and every one of the sheep here, the flock here need. And just like that, the Lord Jesus Christ knows each of you personally. He knows what's in your heart. He knows how you are to be dealt with. And he treats you all differently. Don't look at the next person and say, this happened to them. Why is it not happening to me? Never think like that. God treats each one completely differently. The tender care and affection of our God never fails to amaze us. Elijah's heavenly visitor, the angel, he had it all in hand because God had instructed him to come down and feed Elijah. Then I want you to look at the next lesson. And that is found in verse 6. Uh, verse 6 and 7. In verse 6, we see that he laid down again after eating. And then in verse 7, uh, this is the sentence I want you to notice. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time. The angel of the Lord came again the second time. For his people, 
God is the God of the second opportunity. I mentioned this to you last week also from chapter 18. Just to check if you are awake, do you remember who else in scripture that God gave a second opportunity to? Or that whom he visited a second time or spoke to a second time? Yes, very good. Jonah, yes. We'll have a look at this example. Uh, Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. The second time. Just like God spoke to Elijah the second time. And then if you look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 15, there you will see Peter. Peter, God spoke to him also a second time. You see, my brother, my sister, for everyone, there is a second chance. Remember that. Whatever the situation you are facing, there is a second chance. Now, there is no second chance for unrepentant sinners. For example, if you've done a sin in your life and you don't want to confess, you don't want to repent, well, there is no second chance for unrepentant sinners. You have to repent and confess. But if there has been a breakdown in your service, God delights in restoring his servants. If you had had to leave and go away for some reason or you just stopped, well, God will give you a second chance. He loves granting fresh opportunities to serve him effectively. Let this speak to each and every one here this afternoon or this morning. If you have stopped doing something for God, if you have stopped in your walk with God, remember, he will give you a second chance. Just like the angel came and spoke to Elijah the second time. Then I want you to uh, move on to verse 9. And in verse 9, we have a question that is asked here. And the question that the Lord asks Elijah is, What doest thou here, Elijah? Now, the prophet had his well-rehearsed answers. And this is the same question that uh, Abraham could have been asked in Egypt, What doest thou here? Or Elimelech in Moab, or Jonah, when he was at Joppa, what doest thou here? Or Peter, when he was in the courtyard, that earlier example that we looked at, what doest thou here? Or Demas, when he was at Thessalonica, what doest thou here? You see, many people who are out of touch with God, and whose wanderings have taken them into the pleasure fields of this world, the same question can be asked. What doest thou here? Are you this morning someone whom that question applies to? In your life, you will know whether that question applies to you. Perhaps God is speaking to you when he's asking you, what doest thou here? He wants you back to him. He wants to give you that second chance. And then uh, notice in verse 10, the answer that Elijah gives, uh, he claims that I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. And then right at the end of the verse, he says, 
And I, even I only am left. I am alone. That's why I am here. That's the answer that he gives. Now, notice the contradiction in this verse. Look carefully at verse 10. He says, he addresses him as the Lord God of hosts. Now, what does the word hosts mean? That means that he is a God over a great number of people. Isn't that true? And then he says, and I, only I am left. How can you be a God of hosts and then you bring yourself down to one solitary follower? It's not, doesn't make sense, does it? If he is the Lord of hosts, would he allow the ranks of his loyal servants to be released, reduced to one solitary, frightened individual? No. In fact, he had reserved for himself 7,000 who had never bowed to Baal. So, here's another thought that I wish for you to remember. Take courage from the fact that God always has his devoted people, his devoted saints, to continue to maintain his interests, despite what may seem like a lost cause. You are never on your own. The situation also is never a lost cause. Don't give up in your life. You may be facing a situation where you think it's a lost cause. I can't handle it. I have no way of looking after my family. I have no way of handling this illness. In your mind, it may seem like a lost cause. But our God will never let that happen. Never. Don't give up. Then, in verse 11, I want you to notice this. And he said... Go forth. Here's the instruction that was given to Elijah. Go forth. Now, if you have your Bibles, please turn two chapters back to chapter 17. And in verse 3, you see that the same command was given to, in verse 2, or sorry, verse 3, the same command was given to Elijah. Get thee hence, i.e., go forth. And how did Elijah respond? Verse 5, chapter 17, verse 5. So he went. Instant action. Go forth, and he went. Then look at chapter 18, verse 1. The instruction to Elijah. Go show yourself to Ahab. And his response? Chapter 18, verse 2. And Elijah went. And then come back with me now to chapter 19 and the verse that we were looking at, verse 11. And here's the instruction from God, go forth. But you notice the difference. Previously, he was chapter 17, chapter 18, when the same instruction was given to him, he was willing to instantly go forth and do it. Now in chapter 19, he's not so keen anymore. A little bit reluctant. In the past, he was quick to obey. In the present frame of mind, he seems slow to respond and reluctant to obey. In fact, if you continue reading on, you will see that neither wind, nor earthquake, nor fire could persuade him to leave that cave. Here's the question for us. Are we less keen to obey God than we once were? 
Does the word of God speak to you? Or do the elders speak to you? And give you some instructions? And are you less keen to obey than you once were? Are you less keen to follow God's calling? Are you less keen than you once were to follow his instructions? It was, Elijah was like that. Earlier, go forth, he went. Go show thyself, he went. This time, go forth, and he stayed put. May I challenge you this morning that when God speaks to you through his word or through the leaders of your church, make sure that unlike Elijah, that instantly you are able to go and follow the command that God has given you to do. And then we see that a still small voice comes and then draws him out of the cave. Now, uh, I would like to move on to the bottom half of chapter 19, and I'm going to ask our brother Dean to read the portion for us from verse 19 to 21. First Kings chapter 19, verses 19 to 21. And so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the twelfth. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I to do with you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. When he eventually came out of the cave, the first task that God gave him to do was to go and appoint his successor, Elisha. And uh, I would just like to look for a few minutes at Elijah and Elisha together. Firstly, I want you to notice that uh, God selected Elisha to continue Elijah's work. Elisha was obviously one of those 7,000 people who had never bowed to Baal. Otherwise, God would not have selected him. You see, God can achieve great things through consecrated individuals. Are you one of those consecrated individuals like Elijah, who's willing to serve God? Remember, Abraham, Moses, David, uh, those were individuals who had never bowed their knees to idols. Are you someone like that? And then we notice this, that when we encounter Elisha, he was plowing in the field, the very first time he comes to our notice in the Bible. God does not call the idle or the lazy people to his service. When God called Moses and David, they were shepherding. When God came and encountered Gideon, he was threshing. And when God came and encountered Elisha, he was plowing in the field. Amos he was herding and gathering fruit when God encountered him. Are you a busy person? Are you working? God only uses people who are busy. 
God calls people who are, uh, have got hearts to work. Those are the people that God uses. And then I want you to notice Elijah's reaction when he's called uh, to serve God, when Elijah throws the mantle on him. Uh, verse 20, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. This to me portrays a servant who is ready to obey the master's call. Ready to obey. Are you ready to answer God's call today? What he has in store for you in your life? If God came knocking on the door of your heart today, are you ready to give your heart to him? When you are asked to do something for God, are you ready to serve? That is the challenge that I would like to us to notice this morning. And then also notice in verse 20, we read that Elijah, Elisha wanted to go and say goodbye to his father and mother. Uh, now, I want you to notice that the call to follow God or the call to serve God is purely voluntary. Nobody ever forces you. There is no coercion involved. It's between you and the Lord. It's entirely voluntary when God calls you. Are you willing to take up the challenge to leave all behind and serve God? Elisha was willing to do it. Sometimes when God calls you, and perhaps God is speaking to you now on some other occasion, uh, your family, your friends, they may try to discourage you. Sometimes they may even ridicule you uh, when you tell them that you are going to church. Sometimes they may tell you that, uh, oh, what you are following is far from the truth. When God calls you, are you willing to put him first, face up to the uh, ridicule that the world will offer you? And then verse 21 tells me that uh, he used the tools of his trade to light a fire. Notice that he slew the oxen and then he boiled their flesh with the instruments, it tells me. He boiled their flesh with the instruments of his trade. What did that tell me? That when God called him, he was willing to leave it all. No going back for him. It was a one-way ticket. If things don't work out for me, then I will go back and uh, go back to my old ways. No, it wasn't like that for him. You see, <clears throat> when God calls you to follow him, you have to leave, make some sacrifices. You have to leave the idols of this world. For example, <clears throat> every one of us may have different idols in our life. Perhaps it could be sports. That could, when I say an idol, it's something that takes up the vast majority of the time in your life you devote to that thing. And perhaps it's sports. But if God is calling you to lead a life of service to him, to lead a life pleasing to him, you have to leave whatever is that takes the most part of your time and you have to give your time to God. I'm not saying that you need to stop your work or you need to stop your employment. Uh, no, you need to do that as well. But 
in your spare time, whatever takes up the majority of your spare time, you must be willing to sacrifice it, to give your time towards God, give your time towards studying the word of God, immerse yourself in the scriptures, make sure that the scriptures is in your heart, give your time towards coming and serving in your church, give your time towards attending all the meetings of the church and supporting the outreach work and the gospel work. Are you willing to do this for God? When Elisha was called, instantly he was willing to do it. And also I noticed that in verse 21, that Elisha, he rose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Notice Elisha's humility. He was prepared to do anything to serve his master. Now I know that uh, I see a vast number of you serving in your church and I'm very impressed. I see how the meetings, after the meetings, the halls, the sanctuary is cleaned, the other areas are cleaned and I know that many of you are serving God. You see, <clears throat> Elisha, when he embarked on this course of serving God, first he served Elijah in his own right uh, And he served him faithfully as his assistant. You see, these years of obscurity were vital preparation for Elisha before God called him to public service. God has his training ground for his servants. Before he uses you publicly, first he has to prepare you. He has to prepare your heart. For example, look at the experience of Joseph in prison or Moses in the desert, or David in the hills. These are people who voluntarily serve God in obscurity before God finally called them up to lead his people. So are we willing to do that for God? Now, I would like to finally, before we close, look at one more portion with Elijah and Elisha. And this is taken from 2 Kings chapter 2. And I'll ask Dean to read this for us, please. A few chapters over, 2 Kings chapter 2, and uh, we'll read from verses 2 to 9, please. Second Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 2. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord leads... As the Lord lives, excuse me, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that your Lord will take away your master from you over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now, the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. 
Now Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. See, we read about Elisha and Elijah going on together, and this is a picture of the devoted uh, believer and his Lord. I want you to notice this aspect of Elijah and Elisha's life. Notice how they communed with each other and they went on together. Verse 6, right at the end of it, and the two went on. And then verse 8 Uh, right at the end, so that the two went over. And then verse 11, uh, they still went on and talked. So they walked together and they talked together. Verse 6, verse 8, and verse 11. Elijah kept Elisha close to him and was teaching him. Elisha was happy to be next to his master, and observe and learn from him. Now, are we willing to spend time with our Lord and our Master and learn from him? Are we those who think that we know it all, we don't need advice, we can manage on our own, only when we get into trouble we will go and seek counsel? Let us be those who have a heart willing to learn, willing to take advice, just like Elisha was with Elijah. Then I want you to notice another aspect. Verse 7. Fifty men were standing and watching Elijah and Elisha. From a distance, they were watching. Now, these inquisitive spectators surveyed and watched them, and people are also watching your lives. You may think that people don't know what I'm doing, people don't really, are not bothered about me, but do you know that people are always watching? Even the Lord Jesus Christ, we see in uh, Mark chapter 3 and verse 2. Mark chapter 3 and verse 2. If we could have that slide up on the screens. And here it says, and they watched him. People were watching the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 14 and verse 1. And they watched him. Luke chapter 20, verse 20. And they watched him. In him, the inspection revealed no flaws whatsoever. Wherever he was, they watched him, they watched him, they watched him. For us, when people inspect us, close scrutiny finds us wanting, because our lives are imperfect. Remember this, that people will always be watching you. Make sure that you are leading a life pleasing to God. Make sure that you are putting God 
first in your life. Make sure that your testimony is preserved in your dealings with others. Because people are watching you. Then I want you to notice verse 9. There, Elijah gave Elisha the opportunity of one final request. Now, if you had a request that was passed to you, one thing that you could wish for, what would it be? Now, in our human form, I'm sure that in our earthly thoughts, uh, who wouldn't want something that could finance an easier lifestyle? These are the thoughts that would come to our human minds. Isn't that right? But notice that Elisha had no desire for wealth or prestige. Some people may say, my one wish make me president. But he had no such thing. His desire was something that was spiritual. My brother, my sister, let this be the same for you today. Be like Elisha. Have lofty spiritual desires. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Elijah's wish, Elisha's wish would be granted if he saw Elijah being taken up. What does that tell me? You have to keep your eyes on the master if you want a blessing. Your wish will be granted if you focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you keep your eyes on him, if you focus on him, just like Elijah said, if you see me taken up, you will have it. May that be the same for your life today. Whatever your heart's desires are, first things first, keep your eyes and your heart focused On God and his son. And then I will close with this. uh, uh, In uh, Elijah was taken up to heaven. uh, And Elisha was left uh, back here on earth. And you notice what Elisha does. After Elijah departs. Verse 14. Verse 13. He took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters. He took the mantle and he smote the waters. Now, go back to verse 8. This is what Elijah did when he wanted to cross the waters. And Elijah took his mantle and he smote the waters. What does that tell me? Elisha precisely followed the steps that Elijah did. He did not differ one way. He did not come up to the water and say, part the water or, you know, test his newfound powers, uh, try some new way of doing things. No. In verse 8, Elijah went across by smiting the water. Verse 14, notice, Elijah did the same thing. He smote the waters. He did not want to try some new way of doing things. What had been taught to him faithfully, he carried it out himself. It's very good to, you know, want to move forward. You know, the world is 
we are moving at a tremendous pace and, you know, to want to do things easier and in a better way, that's fine. But remember also that what was taught to us faithfully, it is our duty to follow the same thing and also pass it on to the next generation as well. And Elisha was willing to do that. And then, I want you to notice this also uh, in um, verse 14. Elisha says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Now, he would learn very quickly that the power of God was not the possession of any one generation. Elijah was God, gone, but Elijah's God was present, and his power was still evident. Let us be assured of that. Never relegate divine activity to history. The God who worked and departed through believers who have gone before us, saints who have passed away, is still available for the people today. One day, even ourselves or your current leaders, God will call home. But then he will raise up a new generation. The same God that was there yesterday, today, forever. And Elisha found that lesson out. So when Elijah was gone, for Elisha the prop had been removed. But he continued to stand and he carried on the work. If you remember that Jehoiada, uh, the priest... He was a prop for King Joash. And when the old man died, there was a moral and spiritual collapse in the land. Do not be so dependent on others that when they are removed, you fail to stand on your own two feet. Make sure that you have a personal relationship with God. So that when others are called home, one generation leaves you are able to stand and continue the work because our God is the same generation to generation. He may have thought when Elijah goes, that's it, you know, what are we going to do without Elijah? But no, Elijah was able to carry on because he found out that the God of Elijah was the God for him as well. And they started searching for Elijah. You will notice later from verses 15 to 18, you can read it yourself. But like Enoch, Elijah was not to be found. If you have not yet put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I advise you to do so without further delay. Because only those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved. One day... The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back for all those who have put their trust in him. And then they will be taken up. And then those who are left behind will be searching. Where is so and so? Where is Adel? Where is Dean? You will not find them anymore. Because God would have taken up his children. If you have not put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be left here on earth. And then you will be asking, like, where is Elijah? you will also be asking the same questions because many of those here will be taken up to heaven. Neighbors, families, colleagues, millions will be missing from this world. And 
people will be go around looking in homes, in offices, in factories, uh, in their familiar places. They will not be found. Just like Elijah was taken up, all those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will also be taken up. Make sure that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so that you are not left behind. Make sure that you are not left behind. So, just in closing, uh, let me uh, remind you of the main points that we saw today. We were reminded that a day's journey that Elijah went, taking him further and further away from God, just like Mary and Joseph went a day's journey. Uh, And then we remembered how walking, standing, sitting, just like Elijah lay down. And then remember that Peter stood at the world's fire and then he sat down amongst them. If you go and mix with the world, eventually you will become comfortable and you will sit down among them. Stay away from those who are unbelievers and those in the world. Remember how the touch of an angel woke Elijah up. If your relationship is right with God, you will be like Peter, blinding light, uh, smiting him, all that was needed to wake him up. But when you are not right with God, you will be troubled in your conscience and only a touch will be required to wake you up. And then remember that after Elijah lay down, that the angel came unto him the second time. You also have a second chance if you have stopped in your walk with God. Come back to him today. He will give you a second opportunity. Remember that God knows each of you. He knows your heart. He knows how to treat you. Your leaders will give you good advice. Listen to them. Remember how one person he fed with ravens. Another person he fed with a widow. Another one he fed with an angel. Another one he told him, go and kill and eat yourself. And then remember that the God that we worship is the Lord God of hosts. He has a great multitude following him. Don't be discouraged or lonely. Don't feel that you are the only one. And then remember how Elijah was told, go forth and he went. Go forth and he went. And then suddenly he stopped going anymore. If you have stopped moving or walking with God, please start moving today. Please start following God today. Are you less keen to follow God than you once were? And then remember that if you want to serve God, God always selects busy people. Just like Elisha was working in the field. May you be a busy person for God. He was ready to obey the call. He left his job. He was willing to burn his implements, the tools of his trade, and follow after. You remember God always, the Lord Jesus is always there calling. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men, he says. And over and over again we see him calling men and they follow after him. He is calling you today. Give your heart to him if you haven't done so already. And then remember that take advice and instruction from those who are your leaders. Stay close to God. Remember the lesson of how the two of them went on and on and they walked together and on. 
And then remember the lesson of how the 50 people were watching them from afar off, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, they watched him. They watched him. They watched him. People are watching your life. Make sure that your testimony is preserved. In his life, they could not find any fault. In our life, sadly, there is lots of faults. But make sure that you try to lead your life pleasing to him. And then remember that Elijah, uh, Elisha had no desire for wealth. Make sure you have lofty spiritual desires. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, the prophet Elisha, he followed the pattern left by Elijah. What he was taught, he did precisely that. He went back to the river and he smote the water and the water opened. He didn't try something different. What you have been taught, follow that example. And then there is no point, if you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be like those who said, where is Elijah? Because one day, the Lord Jesus is coming back, and all those who have trusted in him, they would have been taken up, just like Elijah was taken up to heaven. If you have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, believe on him, and you will be saved. That is what the Bible tells us. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank thee for this opportunity to look into thy word. We thank thee for the lessons that we can learn from the life of these two uh, men. We thank thee, our Father, that they were willing to lead lives of service to thee, lives consecrated to thee. And we pray, our Father, that we too will be willing to serve thee, to give our lives to thee, to serve thee with all our time, our energy, our efforts. And we pray, our Father, that if there is anybody here this afternoon that yet has not put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they may do so without further delay, because the day of the Lord returning back for his saints is coming soon. And we pray and commit each and every one here uh, this morning, part us with thy blessings. We ask this in the Savior's name. Amen.